Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. And I'm like, yeah, just let's set up and let's just hope that we get to do it. And so the the premier and health uh, minister announced at 3 o'clock on that afternoon that starting at midnight, there could be no more um, venues with, that had over 50 people in them, like, um, you know, for three weeks was what they said. And so we, we were able to deliver that show. Um, but then we couldn't, we were to go to Montreal the next night, and then the, the it was going to take three days to get to Winnipeg. And so we were told that the whole country was shutting down for three weeks and that we couldn't finish our tour. That's Paul Kelly. He's the president and founder of Unite Productions, and he's chatting about for King and Country's tour across Canada. Now, little did they know that that three weeks would turn into a lot longer today on Connections. He's going to share with us how COVID has impacted Christian music and how it's impacted touring across the country. He'll also share what we can expect to see in the future. Paul Kelly joins us today. He's the president and founder of Unite Productions. Now, the past couple of years have been unusual with the pandemic. They've impacted so many people in so many different ways. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the Christian music industry in Canada, what it was like pre-COVID, and what it's like now? Yeah, I mean, my uh, my love of uh, specifically vertical worship music uh, is what got me um, to start Unite Productions. And, and the word unite, we use the verb unite, the bringing uh, people together that I, I was uh, starting to see back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that all across Canada, uh, God was um, bringing um, the disparate parts of the body of Christ together for either social justice events or worship gatherings. Uh, and it was happening in New Brunswick, it was happening in St. Catharines, Ontario, where I lived, it was happening in Winnipeg, it was happening in Vancouver and all across the country. And uh, because of, I guess, my role, I, at the time I worked for David C. Cook. I was the director of marketing for them. And and in my responsibilities, it was, you know, we had a lot of curriculum and books and cards, but we did have some music and, and we had uh, music from England from Thank You Music and Kingsway Music. And... Um, and I, I was starting to see that that for times of worship, that people would put aside their denominational distinctives, and that you know at the time the big songs were Darlene Chuck's "Shout to the Lord," um, and she was coming from a Pentecostal church, but they were singing that song in Baptist churches or Missionary Alliance churches, or at the time I went to a Mennonite Brethren church and we were singing that song. Um, and then I'd go to a Pentecostal church and they'd be singing a Chris Tomlin song, who Chris was coming from a Baptist, you know, theological background. And and I was just seeing that, like, wow, like, um, I had just read uh, Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And in that book, he was basically saying, you know, don't, you know, try to do something and say, hey, God, bless what I'm doing. Find out what God's doing. Get involved in that. And then the blessing will follow. And and I heard uh, an audio tape of A.W. Tozer. Um, 
he preached a message, and it was an expository teaching on Psalm 133, uh, and it was how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, and 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 then he took an hour to, you know, go into that that whole chapter of Scripture. I mean, it's only a few verses, but he said, if we, the body of Christ, will come together, that God will bring the dew, the oil, the blessing, and life evermore. So if you read the full um Four verses, I think it is in that that uh, that chapter. You'll you'll see it, and and so I I kind of had a bit of a aha moment, and I'm like, okay, well, this is I'm going to start using my influence in the church to bring the worship songwriters from all over the world to Canada. And so when I first started, it was with the British, Stuart Townend, Paul Oakley. Um, I was the first person to bring Matt Redman, brought him to Ontario. Uh, and Vancouver in 2001, brought Tim Hughes um, when he had just written uh, Here I Am to Worship. I mean, the first time that he sung that song in front of a, it was was actually in Vancouver, um, and he was actually a part of Matt Ribbon's band, like, so he was kind of, and and Matt was going to feature him, and he sang that song, and there's maybe 2,800 people there, and they, like, they sang the song like they'd been singing it for 10 years and it was a brand new song. And it was just like, whoa, like that, you know, it was just amazing to, to see it. And I got to be a, a part of, you know, seeing things like that. And, and then over the years, we, the first big tour that we did was Brian Dirksen, Hope of the Nation tour. And that was in the fall of 2002. And we literally went from, you know, the Pacific to the Atlantic. Um, I think it was 17 cities uh, all told and uh, went across the nation. And, and um, you know, it was just amazing to see how people were, were responding to Brian's, you know, songs at the time. And ended up then doing a lot of work with Brian Dirksen and taking him into many, many Canadian cities and towns. And, and then 2000 to also did the first Chris Tomlin tour. And it was Chris Tomlin, Tim Hughes, the DJ Andy Hunter was on that tour. And speaking was Mike Pilavachi from um, from England, who kind of headed up the Soul Survivor Network over there. Um, and, yeah, we did four shows with Chris. We did Vancouver, uh, Kelowna, Edmonton, and Calgary. And so it, it was a few years before we then got Chris to do the whole country. But we, we've had the privilege of doing all Chris Tomlin's tours, um, you know, you know, since 2002. And then 2003, we did the first Hillsong United. And um, the, first, the first tour only did BC and Alberta. And then 2004, uh, we were able to go all the way to, to Montreal um, and got to see Hillsong United become the best-selling uh, Christian artist of all genres of Christian music by 2006. They out, yeah, they outsold everything else that was selling in the Christian music uh, market. Yeah, so so um, yeah, I have spent a lot of time crisscrossing this country, and it started by just trying to get the songwriters that are writing the songs that we sing in church on Sunday, and you know, get them into. Uh, all the, the major markets in Canada. And Winnipeg's one of those markets. Thankfully. 
We, well, we love Winnipeg, and we love the fact that, you know, that churches work together, and CH Van is, in our opinion, one of the, you know, the best uh, stations in the country for, like, when we announce, like, a big tour, like, we almost sell out, like, within, like, a week of, of announcing it because of the reach, because of the listenership, and, and the, 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 that's always, that doesn't happen all across the country. Now, you were talking about getting the names in Christian music and worship music coming up here. Well, Canada is so vast. Is it hard to get bigger names to play here? Uh, it would be if we were trying to do one-off shows, but when we string together a tour, um, it makes it, 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 for the artist, it makes it, like they're serving the whole country or they're building their fan base in the whole country. And so um, when we're doing the big tours, you know, you probably would know we're driving. So we're, you know, we have sleeper buses, two or three buses with 12 bunks in each bus and a tractor trailer with sound. And, uh, you know, so we'll start in Moncton. And the reason we started in Moncton, not Halifax, because Halifax is bigger, but Halifax does not have a, a venue either in the church uh, world or the theater world, you know, that seats, because you need about 1,800 people to pay the freight to do, you know, the bigger shows. And um, Moncton has it and Halifax doesn't. So Moncton gets all those shows. And people in Halifax have to drive to Moncton to, to go to them, which they complain to us about that all the time. But uh, we, we can bring the smaller uh, acts to to uh, Halifax, but, uh, and we love Halifax, but, uh, but yeah, so Winnipeg, you know, it's a 36 hour drive from Toronto where, you know, we've done one of the, usually the biggest show on the tour. And then we've got to drive for 36 hours to get to Winnipeg. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a crazy drive. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my, my son, Devin and I have done it a few times. <laughs> Yeah, like even if you have a bus driver or even two that could switch off and you were able to do 36 hours straight, that's over a full day of driving. Yeah, it's and it, what we do is we have a, they do a night in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, so what happens is the bus will leave Toronto, drive to Sault Ste. Marie, takes about eight hours. And then the bus driver will sleep all day and the band and crew will get to hang out in Sault Ste. Marie. And as you can imagine, there's not much there, although it's beautiful. There's some nice rivers and, and, uh, uh, but not a lot of like restaurants or nice hotels or anything like that. Uh, and then they, at night, the bus driver gets up at about 9 PM and at 10 PM they hit the road and he drives through the night and, uh, the bands and crew sleep and they get to Thunder Bay and Thunder Bay is a little bit bigger, a little more, you know, choices of restaurants and uh, better hotels. And then the bus driver sleeps during the day and then, you know, comes at 10 o'clock and then drives to Winnipeg. I think it's like an eight or 10 hour drive from Thunder Bay to Winnipeg. But that's, that's the norm of crossing Canada with a, with a tour. It, it would be a little shorter if they went across the Detroit border and then, you know, drove across the like past like Chicago and Minneapolis and then went up uh, into Winnipeg uh, from that, from the U S but 
then you're having to clear the border a couple of times, then it's always a lot of work and a lot of paper, paperwork and, you know, fingers crossed and praying that we get across the border okay. Because <laughs> you just never know when a, a customs agent is going to say, you know, there's, we don't like this carnet that you've done or we don't like this or... Yes, absolutely. Now, as you were saying, we get these shows and people enjoy them. They're excited to be worshiping and praising, but then COVID hits. Tell us a little bit about what happened with Unite Protections. Obviously, this had a huge impact on people across the country, but tell us a little bit about what happened with with your company. We were on tour with For King and Country, uh, so we did... Uh, our Ottawa show was at TD Arena in Ottawa, so we did that on, on March 12th. And we knew something was coming. And even as we, like the weeks building up to it, talking with the management for, for King & Country, um, Josh, who's, one of, who's a brother of, of the guys in, in For King & Country, and I was saying to him, like maybe three or four weeks out, I said, we're going to be okay. Like, the NHL is still playing. Like, when they stop the NHL, like, then, you know, we'll be thinking, oh, no, we might not be able to do this. And, and like, a week before we started the tour, they, they announced that the NHL wouldn't you – know, they'd be playing with nobody in the stands. And it was like, oh, no. You know, like uh, – and it was – but we were still allowed to do the Ottawa show. And then we got to Toronto on the 13th. Um, and when we got into the venue, uh, Devin met with the executive director and, and he said, listen, there's, you know, I'm going to let you set up. We haven't been told that you can't do the show tonight. And it's sold out. We're at Meridian Hall, uh, downtown Toronto. And, um, but there's a press conference with the premier at three o'clock and the minister of health. And they may tell us that we can't proceed, um, with tonight's show. You know, uh, you know. Sorry to put that heavy on you, but that's the reality. And and so Devin calls me because Devin was on the buses with the band, and so he was at the venue at eight o'clock. And I was flying in from Ottawa, so I wasn't going to get there till noon. And and I'm like, yeah, just let's set up and let's just hope that we get to do it. And so the the premier and health uh, minister announced at three o'clock on that afternoon that starting at midnight there could be no more. Um, venues with that had over 50 people in them, like, um, you know, for three weeks was what they said. And so we, we were able to deliver that show. Um, but then we couldn't, we were to go to Montreal the next night, and then the, the it was going to take three days to get to Winnipeg. And so we were told that the whole country was shutting down for three weeks and that we couldn't finish our tour. So we had three sleeper buses, a tractor trailer. There was 54 people, I think, in all, you know, to do these shows. And it was like the twilight zone. Like, we had to send everybody home. Nobody said, you know, because we had sold out most of the tour. Uh, it was the first national tour for, for King and Country. And it was like, you know, like, this is shocking. And, and I know even though I live, like 30 minutes from downtown Toronto because I wasn't planning to come home. I, and I was flying to Montreal the next day. I, I had a hotel and the next morning I got up and it was like a ghost town, downtown Toronto. Like nobody was in the streets. Um, 
And it was just like, what just happened? And, and we thought, well, you know, and we rescheduled the tour. Uh, it took a couple of weeks to get it all. You know, when you're trying to route a tour, you've got to get all the venues to line up. And we rerouted it for August of 2020. And anybody that couldn't make the new date, like they got refunds, and and um, and so then as we came to summer, like that three weeks, like it turned into three or four months of shutdowns, and then um, we were a couple of months out from August, and we started to see, oh no, like and we stayed in touch with the management at the Centennial Hall there, and and went again with all the other venues that it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do it. And they were, I think at that time, they were talking about a third capacity and, and we had a sold out show, which is 2,300 tickets at Centennial Hall. And so we moved the August tour. We thought, let's be safe and let's get it right out of 2020. We moved it to February, 2021, which when Devin and I are talking to for King country, we're like, it's kind of crazy that you guys want to come up here in February. It's the worst month in the year. Like, <laughs> blizzards and snowstorms and freezing. And, we're called and, winter pig for a reason. And, and we're like, Devin and I are like, we're Canadians through and through. We, we have no problem with the weather. Like not even driving in the weather, we just do. Like, but you guys from Nashville and you Aussies. Um, but anyway, so we, we, we set that, got all the venues all routed and got all the announcements out. And you guys helped us get get the word out so you know so we moved it again so that's the third date well as we came to christmas 2020 like the pandemic was getting worse and worse and and we were like oh my gosh we have to make another decision and we moved it from february to september and all and now you know now we've been going for like a year and not getting paid and um you know, like with a, a show like at Centennial Hall, like the box office of the venue, they hold the money that we don't get any money until we deliver the show. Like that's how it works. And the band, uh, you know, we're hired to come on and we pay for, all, you know, all the labor that we have to get and the promotion that we have to do and hotels and catering and all that kind of stuff. But the money doesn't come until after you deliver the show. And so... Uh, and the government announced that they would do a wage subsidy if we didn't lay off our staff and give us 75% of the salaries of the staff up to a maximum of $50,000. So we, you know, which was a little bit of a help, but it didn't pay for, you know, for everything else that you have to have in place to, you know, to have your website and, pay GoDaddy and pay WordPress and pay SoCan and all the other things. Like there's nothing from the government to help with that. And so, um, and by the time we moved the shows to uh, September, Devin got a a part-time job delivering for Pure Later Courier. And I got a consulting job helping International Justice Mission, uh, working on a church integration plan for them. So, you know, it was kind of uh, like just that we were able to do something else, but stay in the space and stay answering every email that came in and every, 
social media message that we got and stay in touch with the venues and the box offices. So we were able to do all that. Um, and then as we were coming to, I think it was the end of August, uh, and we have four shows in Alberta and uh, one show in Saskatchewan, one show in Winnipeg and one show in Vancouver. And Alberta was saying, you're free to deliver all these sold out shows. And because Alberta was like the Wild West, they were they were acting like they were Florida or Texas, saying COVID is over, you know. And um, but management at Centennial Hall were saying, you know, we don't have a definitive answer, but we don't think they're going to let us do sold out show with 2,300 people in the building. But we don't we don't know for sure because. Yeah, nobody was ever sure about anything. I was, it was it was a crazy time. Still is a crazy time. And so, so we, um, and uh, Saskatoon was saying that they wouldn't be able to do a sold out show, and Vancouver was saying. So we made the decision. You know, we couldn't come up and just do Alberta. Uh, and so we made the decision the first day of September to announce that we're moving it. You know, once again. And we don't even know, we know it's going to go into June 2022, but we don't have all of our ducks in a row yet. We don't have all the venues uh, confirmed yet. Um, and we're very close. We'll probably have, you know, the full announcement for the June dates. I mean, it's going to be June 13th in Winnipeg, we know, but we haven't, yeah, it, it, it'll probably be about a week before we announce it to the country that, you know, here are the the seven dates for delivering the show in 2022. And um, when when it comes to booking venues, the way the way that works is a lot of venues have um, somebody puts a hold on a uh, on the venue, um, and at least in Winnipeg, it was only two holds. Um, like our Vancouver, we were the fifth hold, which means four other companies had put holds on the date. And you have to put $5,000 down to challenge the holds. And then, you know, that goes to the first person goes, you know, yeah, I want it. And they pay their 5,000. Then we get our 5,000 back and that's how it works. And, and um, so it's a little more complicated than most people might think when you're trying to string together a whole bunch of updates in a row, but we've got it now and just, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and just waiting to look at some contracts from, from venues out West. Um, but I think it'll be this, either the end of this week or first of next week that we'll, we'll go to everybody with here are the exact dates. Are we certain we're going to be able to deliver them? And people get mad at, at us. Like it's our fault as if we had anything to do with this. Like, you know, most of the, of the ticket buyers and fans have been gracious but there's there's a perception that that like we're pretty nasty. It was pretty hard to actually like read what they would write. I, I think people don't think things through sometimes. They just uh, they just blast your head off. And but anyway, we're we're getting there, and it's looking like 2022 is going to be okay. Am I sure? I don't I don't know. It's it's like we are forced into this stage of doing nothing for two years. Like it's, yeah. Oh, and, and now the weight subsidy, I don't know if you know much about it, but it's 20% of your, the government gives you 20% of 
of of your staff salaries, and uh, you have to pay the other eighty percent, or you don't get the twenty percent. That's not very helpful. And I guess the government's trying to. They're dealing with all sorts of kinds of businesses. Like we literally have not sold one ticket in in since March twelfth, I guess. Uh, and we've refunded seven thousand two hundred and some tickets because uh, we we had twenty nine shows on sale when the when this hit. Um, so we had the For King and Country tour, we had a Pat Barrett tour, and we had four Toby Mac uh, dates. And total was 29 shows. And so since March, we've, you know, postponed all of them once. And then Toby's, we couldn't postpone them and move them again. So we had to cancel them and refund everybody, uh, which was a very difficult thing to do, hard thing to do. And and uh, when we refund people, we give back, you know, the price of the ticket plus the taxes that they paid. And then we went to the government trying to get the tax money back and, so it's very difficult. It put us into a full-blown audit. And now we're in a full-blown audit, but, you know, I didn't have the money to pay full-time to my accountant. It was crazy. It was, if things could have gotten worse, they did last summer, where we got a full-blown audit because because we asked for the tax back. But whatever. We got through it, and we passed with flying colors the audit. Mm-hmm. And here we sit. And so right now, you know, for King Country are coming in in June. Um, that Pat Barrett, we've moved in a bunch of times because we want to get. We love Pat Barrett, and he's his songs are getting deeper in the church and stronger. You know, used by the church, and and uh, so that's been moved. Like right now, it's looking like that's in May, um, and. We hope that we deliver it in May, but you know, we may we may have to move it. Don't know at this point. Yeah. So it's sort of like you're in limbo. Then you're doing all this extra work, rebooking and rebooking, not getting paid, doing another job. Okay. Correct. How have you been able to keep your sanity as well as your faith through all of this? Yeah, I mean, I've kept. I've wondered that myself. Um, you know, I got a great supportive wife. I've got a great family, great friends, like great um, church friends. And I, I mean, I look at it and I, I can't go poor me because poor everybody, poor airlines, poor hotels, poor restaurants, poor, you know, everybody's been just pummeled by this thing. So it's not, I, we're just a little, minute little microcosm like so i can't i can't go poor me <laughs> at least i haven't and i guess i've yeah you, you can't prepare for something like this i guess um i guess my self-esteem and all that stuff was was good and strong and and so managed to uh, to get to this place maybe i'll go nuts tomorrow or something or... please don't we definitely do not want to see that happen <laughs> no, and we're very thankful for all that you do now i have this feeling that once things reopen and anyone can come again this whole concert experience christian music it's going to be something completely different i i, I really i think you're on to something there i i even was reading in billboard magazine that the CEO of um, Live Nation and Ticketmaster, that he was saying that 
they're, they're a publicly traded company and that their stock is at an all-time high. And he's saying it's, it's people are voting for the live events. You know, they see that the future, you know, for the next couple of years is live events and they're propping up our stock because they know we're going to bring shows, which, you know, that's, the biggest mainstream promoter and ticket company in the world. Uh, and, and you know, people are saying that we want the live events. And so in, in the church, and, and the crazy thing that's going on in the church right now is so many people have, you know, not been able to go to church. And the, the big question is how many are going to go back to church when, you know, when things cool down? Uh, or are they going to try to just stream something or, you know, get their resource some other way or their spiritual input? Um, but we think what we bring is, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go through the roof that people just want to get together and lift their voices. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. And thank you so much for listening to us. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation or any of the other conversations we've had on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.